We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting a pros versus Joes team on the FFPC. That's what we're doing today on Stealing Bananas, a special edition of Stealing Bananas. We're live on the on the ship chasing airwaves. I'm Ben Gretsch. Sean Siegel is here. Pete is not, but Pat is to hang out with us while we draft. We're picking out of the 12 slot. Let's do it. We are. You look at ADP for FFPC best ball tournaments and Wide receivers are the best pick all the way down. And that is both very fun and probably not the optimal way to approach a best ball draft. But let's say that we're four picks into a main event and uh, it's wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. receiver. (laughs) Yeah, those those turtles keep going. So, I mean, six, eight. At some point, the roster construction explorer, the research out there does tell you to stop. Can we just ignore the research? We just keep yeah. taking wide receivers today. <laughs> I'm down. Sean, our uh, yeah, our main that just started, we have the 111, um, and we we went. Uh, what what is it? AJ Brown, Lamb, Debo, and DK Metcalf, which is a pretty fun start. We got some pretty good values in each of those turns. So spoilers for the mini episodes. Yeah, I guess I guess I shouldn't have mentioned that. I just was thinking about it. Spoiler alert! All right, we won't spoil. I, I was spoiling Pete's draft last night. I'm, I'm the spoiler <laughs> around here. Travis Kelsey there... goes 101, and then Chase and Jefferson. So we're already off and running. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, huge weapon in this format. As I was mentioning on our preview show, his results have been so good that it makes. Every other running, every other position in the first round looked bad <laughs> over the recent history. <laughs> Obviously, if you don't have Travis Kelsey, you are going to have to take a different position. You could reach for Mark Andrews here. How, who, how early is too early for Mark Andrews and tight end premium? I mean, we were thinking about him in the early second round, and I was making the case that I think he's going to land at the one two turn when it's all said and done. Um, you know, like, when we're live in Vegas, he was going there last year. And I, I'm, I feel better about, I feel just as good about him and better <laughs> about the Ravens. So I'm like, why am I not interested in Mark Andrews in the late first again? Um, so, I mean, yeah, I would be, and there's, it kind of gets a little flat right around here. Right. So if you were to take, if someone were to take him right now, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Bijan Robinson, at least in the drafts that I participated in, if you track, the ADP tools a little bit. You saw Robinson for a few days there, maybe sliding a little bit. It seems like he's pretty well reestablished himself as a straightforward first round pick. We know he's going to go in this format a little bit earlier than others because you have the double flex. You can get four running backs in there if you so desire. Then was there a final decision on zero RB versus robust running back in this draft. I'm still trying to get you on Barkley Taylor at the uh, one, two. <laughs> yeah. We, John and I have done a little bit, a, a little bit, a very little bit, like exchanging two emails of planning for this. If you want to check out the show. <laughs> oh yeah. And a, and a show. That's right. <laughs> I guess we did a whole podcast a little bit, <laughs> um, but Just a little, 
I gotta, I gotta mention Daigle getting Cooper Cup at the 108. Our buddy John Daigle, nice start for him. Very nice start for six. Daigle. Eckler goes seven. Diggs goes nine. Sean, the Barkley Taylor start that you were floating. Well, Barkley just went. So uh, unfortunately, we're not gonna be able to do it. I was really in. I was really in, but unfortunately, we are not going to be able to do it. What I was about to say was yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was totally down. <laughs> so we still have A.J. Brown and CeeDee Lamb on, on the board. Amon Ross St. Brown on the board. More wide receivers on the board. We're going we're gonna to have plenty to choose from. Taylor, I think it's very much a viable option in this range. Lamb does go. But I... I Personally, I like these receivers so much that it's and, and especially in the, in the FFPC format, I just like I, I want to be deep at receiver. I guess I don't know. What are you thinking, Sean? Well, I'm almost a little tempted in these drafts to play against the guys I'm actually taking. You have AJ Brown and Devonte Adams as ultra efficient superstars. When I drafted with Pat the other day, I kind of nudged us off Devonte Adams, which is always tough because it's Devonte Adams. I mean, but you're not drafting with guys. Pat. I, I, I don't I don't want to take Adams. We're down to 20 seconds. I'm just here to hang out. I'm, I'm okay with AJ Brown for sure. But you want Garrett Wilson or Amon Ra? Yeah, or, 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 I, yeah, Garrett Wilson. Let's take Garrett Wilson. And then I I, I could go either way with AJ Brown and Amon Ra St. Brown. I I told you in our little quick back and forth uh, a Garrett Wilson Amon Ra St. Brown start. I mean that's that's fun. Like. It's yeah, like we're projecting breakouts. They're not the established superstars. It's not Devonte Adams, but like you know, what, what are you gonna do? Like you, you, you just project the next superstars. That's that's the that's the more fun thing to do. Yeah, project the next superstars. Oh, <laughs> yeah. sorry, this comment. Um, break well, room. Might as well take Breeze. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> we could have went Taylor Breeze, Sean. We could have started robust with Taylor Breeze. Yeah, you got the guys who are gonna go one two and next year's draft. Yeah. Where go. were we on that a second ago? You mentioned you have to bet on a little bit of projection. I've, I've got an article about to come out looking at the top or the best pick in the first five rounds of FFPC main event and fantasy pros drafts. Then we're going to try and win the main event this year. Maybe that will be on a team we draft with Pat. Obviously, that would be fun. Bring Coming that element in there i mean my prediction the other day on the show was that pat's gonna go back to back win a million plus two years in a row so i mean no pressure but back to back <laughs> yeah no pressure <laughs> so we have uh, wait sean you're gonna write an article soon about the best pick in the main event i'm trying to think of who that would be because you just wrote a great article about Brees hall you just wrote another great article about uh, JSN, who would be probably my two biggest guesses. So um, I'm interested. Well, I did want to ask. You guys said that you picked DK Metcalf the other day at the 3-4. Is that right? Was there no. any consideration of just taking the best player? <laughs> yeah. so that's fine. There was. There was. There was. We did do Boy, that one. Like for the minisodes. You got to listen to the minisodes. But, so this um, this is our start in reverse order the, out of the 11. Um, this isn't hitting the audio waves, and we've already teased it, so we might as well just fully spoil our first four picks. We took Debo at the 311 uh, over DK, and we were like, all right, all right, Room, you can have DK. We're not, you can't force us into DK Metcalf. And then the guy at the 12 just didn't take him. So then we're like, at the 402, Sean, I think that's somewhat defensible. Do you disagree? No, I, I have some shares of Metcalf at the 3 4 turn. So I think that once he gets to that point, he is interesting in the case where one of the things in looking at JSN are that, I mean, you have rookie receivers who have come into loaded receiver groups before and dusted those guys. And yet you also have a case where Calvin Ridley comes out and puts up some big numbers along with peripheral receivers and tight ends on that Falcons team, putting up big numbers and Julio Jones goes absolutely scorched earth if dk metcalf fills that role this year then i think of the three four turn is a place where i mean you would want to get a little bit of exposure metcalf is probably mildly overrated in terms of how people think of him as an nfl player from that, that. that you know that combination of talent and skill together and yet i mean he has the size he has the athleticism he's going to be in what seems like a at least mildly favorable offense when you're getting those pieces to a monster season if teams t- try to take away 
Tyler Lockett, if they try and take away JSN, which I kind of don't think is possible, it's kind of like t- trying to take away Cooper Cup or trying to w- take away Christian McCaffrey. But if they do that, I mean, you could see DK Metcalf go off for 15 touchdowns, in which case at the 3-4 turn, you probably want to have some shares. Yeah, I don't have much of them, but that felt like a, you know, it, it is kind of a flat tier, so you could talk yourself into a number of other guys instead of DK, but, you know, we're going to see a lot of early third round DK Metcalf, I think. Um, we certainly are an underdog, and we'll probably see some of that here. Um, and his ADP is more like mid-third generally. So I was hoping maybe this is one of the cheap, cheaper shares we see, and then we can move on with our lives. Yeah, I think that makes sense. <laughs> I think I think your exact point was that we don't have to worry about drafting him anymore. We'll, we'll just get our yeah, we just share. Won't, and then... We won't think about DK Metcalf again except <laughs> on this team. Daigle oh, with uh, Cup and Andrews. Daigle. Yeah, I, I mean, that's start. a fun start in FFPC. That's a very For fun sure. start. The article that I was doing a circling around job of teasing about the top pick in each of the first five rounds in the first round, you don't want to go out and just, you know, pick Justin Jefferson, which is obvious. Only one person gets that. I went ahead and decided to take a guy with a round two ADP as my best pick in round one. It was Garrett Wilson. We have selected him here. I like that pick. Ben, you mentioned in your projections that you have back that up a little bit. Yeah. Back that up a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> I, I want like to hear your take don't, don't make me Wilson's like, the I can, pick in the first round yeah I, like I, I broadcast with Sean a lot so I, I I can hear him asking me to make a Garrett Wilson take and I'm yeah. stopping you right now and I'm asking <laughs> you just, to make the Garrett this is Wilson how take Sean sets up questions yeah he's just Garrett like, I'm happy to make it another round. time but you just said he's the best pick in the first round so you yeah, have to you make need it right to now. talk about that now <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna leave Ben into Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, I, what? Oh, I felt like Garrett Wilson in the first round. <laughs> we'll get to Amon Ross. You talk about Garrett first. <laughs> it speaks for itself. I know. That's exactly right. It's a Sean, a Sean take that um, he likes to throw in that speaks for itself. Well, you pull up the fantastic stealing signals tool, which obviously is off of Ben's amazing brand. There, we have the sports info solutions numbers in there. So, folks who are used to PFF, you're going to have to adjust a little bit mentally for what you're looking at there. But Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson, they're side-by-side targets per route, 27% to 26%. Depth of target, identical. Obviously, then you get weighted targets per route, identical. Sorry, this is The difference there, uh, Garrett Wilson and Justin Jefferson. The difference (laughs) there is that you get 10 yards per target for Jefferson, seven and a half for Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson doing all that damage with the worst quarterback situation in the NFL looked utterly amazing in a situation that devastated Elijah Moore, a player that we have plenty of circumstantial evidence to believe is actually also very good. They get rid of Elijah Moore, who's the one guy in kind of a best case scenario who could have siphoned a ton of volume from Wilson. They replace him with these Green Bay castoffs. I mean, you're looking at a guy who is going to compete for that 30% target share, which you know, puts him up with those guys going in the top five. One of my concerns is that Aaron Rodgers was actually terrible last season. And yet even in that season, he created a year where Christian Watson could go for 9.6 yards per target and have that weighted targets per route in a range where you're looking at him as a potential breakout. And so, I mean, when you look through that situation and you don't want to like put too much evidence into the puff piece stuff, but I mean, Aaron Rodgers is saying that Garrett Wilson is the new Devontae Adams so I mean at least this isn't a situation where he hates his guys which we know he's been in plenty of times that point you just made I mean I've I've been in on Wilson but the point you just made about Rodgers even not playing particularly well last year but the way he elevated Christian Watson on a team that had Alan Lazard and had Randall Cobb and those guys but like he was like getting Watson his numbers like getting him the ball he mentioned it after that one game where Watson ran the wrong route in the red zone where he's like, you want to score the touchdowns, you want to win the offensive rookie of the year, like you got to run the right route or something. Like he made a little comment in, in a post-game interview that has always stuck with me where like they were like force-feeding Watson stats. The fact that he was able to do that last year and then then you add in the potential that maybe this is the Aaron Rodgers sort of, you know, FU tour. <laughs> right, the Tom Brady to Tampa. Like I, I want a lot in the in the red zone. I, I'll, I'll I'll buy that part of it yeah, for sure. Like he's gonna try to throw fifty touchdowns if he, and he's not gonna get there, but he's gonna try to. Right, like and the, and the Jets coaches are gonna let him. That's one of the things when you get Aaron Rodgers, 
you do whatever you can to keep him happy is like, especially in year one. Like I just, I feel like that's probably a likely outcome there. So if he feels that way about Garrett Wilson, and then he also maybe is playing better overall. Yeah. I'm, I'm even more excited about Garrett Wilson and hearing you talk about him. Excited for this article. You're going to write up as well. Cause that's, you said you're going to name the best pick in every round. That was the teaser for, that was your first round pick. Well, you're going that was, hot with your wasn't first even a teaser. round pick. It was a setup to get you to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown. So let's let's, uh, <laughs> let's give Sean what he wanted here and tell us about. Well, I don't know what, what was the question, Sean. I mean, Amon Ross already at thirty percent target share. Right. What you got to do is generate. I mean, some efficiency. You're gonna you have Jameson my Williams, who's like actually never gonna play at this point. So, I mean, yeah. You were gonna mention my projections where. Yeah, Amon Rock comes in real hot above Devontae Adams, above CeeDee Lamb, above AJ Brown. Wide receiver six. Because I I mean it's not hard to project him for a lot of targets. And he's also been sneaky, really efficient despite being a low ADOC guy. Like he we were talking about this the other day, Pat, but like the yak has been there, the 2.4 yards per route run last year for a slot guy, like a low ADOT slot guy to be a 2.4 yards per route run guy is really impressive. It is really it's like impressive. Cooper Cup type. Yeah, because when you have an average depth of target that low, your yards per target is likely to be low. Yards per target is positively correlated with ADOT. The deeper downfield you're targeted, the more yards you're likely to generate per target because you get those splash play opportunities. Even if you catch the ball at a lower rate, when you do catch the ball, it, it means something. And for Amon Rod, I mean, it just shows he's really good after the catch. He's really good, um, you know, at at kind of, I don't know. I mean, he's not, it's funny because he's not like this game breaking guy after the catch, but I guess he's just like, he's just kind of cuppish, right? He's just really solid, gets yards um, consistently after the catch. It's a, it's a very impressive number for his ADOT. Mm-hmm. Sean, we are on deck. Only two receivers have gone in the third round DK Metcalf and DeAndre Hopkins, interestingly. That is that area where a lot of names can fit into this sort of wide receiver 15, wide receiver 16 range after T. Higgins, Devonta Smith have gone off and wide receiver 13 and 14. Typically, four quarterbacks in this round, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, TJ Hawkinson went off the board. Calvin Ridley goes as well. Keenan Allen falls to us here. Debo is there for us. Josh Jacobs has also fallen here. I'm getting pretty concerned about a potential Josh Jacobs holdout. Jameer Gibbs did not make it back to us. He went 305. That's sort of the group that I'm looking at. What are you thinking? Well, you talked going Allen, Samuel, and that's really hard for me to resist because I think those guys are two, three-turn players. And yet we also discussed having some fun and putting some pressure on the room by going Pitts, Kittle, two guys who were completely out of position to take. That's one of the things you have to deal with when you're on the edge here, not in position to take those elite tight ends that are so important for this format. We have 15 seconds. Which way are we going to go? Not that we have to go with the same position, but it is fun. Yeah, I think we leave the tight ends out there. Uh, because of another way we've talked about potentially playing the tight end position, which we'll get to. But we take Keenan Allen there. I, I mean, we don't have to play both the same position. We could go Keenan Allen Pitts, unless you want it. It'd be kind of fun to get it, to get an anchor Kyle Pitts. Pat, we have 45 seconds here. Is Can you make a pitch for Travis Etienne? Is there any chance that they'll let <laughs> him be there, Jamal Charles, as opposed to – I know that you're actually pretty high on – Bigsby and I do try and grab him anytime he falls below ADP, but I mean that's the question I'm trying to really parse there with the Jaguars. The issue with ETN, I think he is so he's he's misunderstood, right? He's he's like he's more like a Dalvin Cook or something. He's an explosion back. He's, his success rate was great, but he wasn't that great as a receiver, and they didn't use him much. And they weirdly been talking up Bigsby as a receiver, which isn't really even his skill set. So I'm just worried about the committee there. I feel like if I was going to detour away, I'd. We're not taking ETN. I'm really confused why Sean asked you about him. You're not even in the draft, like on the clock. Like he was just running down the clock. That was such a filibuster. He was going to convince us to possibly think about the right detour. Because, I mean, once. Well, that's what I said. I said if I was going to take a detour, it would be for the most fun. And then. Ben immediately clicked Debo Samuel, but I was saying Pitts. I no, did Sean, Sean. John's John's on the one and two. Sean clicked Debo Samuel. He's oh, the one the so I didn't convince you, Sean. No, 
Well, I've done a bad job. I didn't convince Sean Siegel to take Kyle Pitts. I, I clearly, <laughs> I need to dial in a little bit more on this stream. We do have a fun feel, way to play tight end. It feels but... like a mistake now. I, the, the, yeah. I always want to have you. Herbert the, goes four oh two. I mean, I like the pick. I was kind of like holding out some vague hope that he might come all the way back to five six if we got Keenan at three four. I didn't. Yeah, five oh three is what I'm seeing there for his ADP. Herbert. Yeah, yeah, wasn't likely to come all the way back to five six in best ball, but Keenan and Debo are pretty sweet picks at at the three four turn, though I have to say. Dude, we have a really fun receiver room. I mean, that's all that matters. <laughs> Literally, the only thing that I care about. Let's just keep taking. Receivers. <laughs> Can we take twenty receivers? I love this comment. If you're going to take a running back, why not the running back that is in fact a wide receiver, Debo Samuel? <laughs> love it. So Josh Jacobs finally goes at 4.04. Sean, of all the names that we discussed there, you didn't even consider Jacobs. Can I take that to mean that you are as concerned as I'm starting to get about a holdout? He's been a guy who has talked about um, it's not about him. It's about the guys coming behind him and those types of things. Way back when he was a rookie coming into the league, there was a lot of talk about his you know, maturity, some of the stuff about his upbringing. I know there was uh, stories about how he lived in a van growing up and you know, a hard upbringing, but how it helped like raise his sisters, if I, if I remember correctly. I don't want to mess that up, and I apologize if I am messing it up. But the idea was that he was a very grounded human being as a result, or that was the point of a lot of those stories with Jacobs. He's, he strikes me as the type of player that would care about the bigger picture. Is that something that you're feeling as well with Jacobs? Like, I, I feel like he might actually hold out, like, and really push this. Whereas Barkley has already signed and, and is back. Well, I like Josh Jacobs and I, I like anybody who is going to make a really strong stand for whatever their personal integrity is asking them to do. I think that practically it may not work that way. I mean, you think about one of the things that's really hurt, running backs and the main thing is just that guys like ezekiel elliott and joe mixon are not going to age very well their teams are not going to want them josh jacobs is probably somewhat similar although i think that i mean you could make a case certainly that he's better than joe mixon the the problem is that you have stuff like the Le'Veon bell situation happen where a guy holds out and comes back and is completely washed and that doesn't help obviously the the position what you have to go out and do if you want to help the guys coming after you is that you have to go out there and play, put up another massive season, create a situation where you do have some more leverage, sign a big contract, go out there and then perform at age 27, 28, 29, 30, things that are very difficult to do as a running back. But that would be the only way that you can really accomplish it, it seems like. I actually had some really cool notes about Jacobs and the Javante Williams piece that I'm working on. I felt a lot better about kind of where he is as a talent after working through some of those things, I do think that he could have a very nice 2023 season if everything falls into place. And yet at the same time, it makes some sense for them to take a little bit of work off of his plate. He traditionally has had trouble turning the broken tackles into actual yardage. There's some real risk with the overall offense. I think that you get some profiles in this range that are still more appealing to me personally even though I think it's very important to give Jacobs full credit for what he did last year and, and what he could go do. See, I think I would have taken, if I was uh, in your guys' shoes here, I would have taken him with one of those two picks. I don't know who I would have taken. Well, I like Keenan and Debo a lot, but maybe, maybe Debo and PPR. I just, I, you know, it's just like, I think he is going to get the work. I think he's going to sign. I think he's going to get the work. And the thing about Jacobs is he strikes me as the type of guy that, I mean, actually, um, Sacrilegious uh, was just on Pete's Best Ball Breakfast stream talking through his um, his Best Ball Data Bowl submission, and he had a really interesting uh, submission that he's looking at kind of advance rate as it's uh, sort of agnostic from the rosters that, that these players are actually on. So he's able to kind of like substitute players onto all the other rosters and see what the advance rate would be with that one with like a appropriate swap. And Josh Jacobs had a an advance rate, an actual advance rate that was lower than it should have been. He was drafted by, um, yeah. in general, teams that 
you know, weren't advancing to the rate that you would have expected given how good his season was. If you swapped him to all the other teams, then he would have advanced at an even higher rate sort of thing. I, the, yeah. the best and part so about that could, is that, and then Sky Moore was the opposite. So the teams Sky were taking Sky Moore were advancing those teams at a higher rate than they should have, and Josh Jacob drafters were advancing at a lower rate. <laughs> I told sacrilegious. I thanked him for bringing that note into my life. Well, it's a double-edged sword because it, it means, you know, okay, we're good at drafting generally, uh, those of us who are taking Sky Moore, because he advanced at a higher rate than he should have. But he was also, like, sort of, even even worse pick than it seems. <laughs> it was, might have been the worst pick <laughs> on the board. And we had a highlight was, reel that we He was like played. Kenny Galladay level of um did he score a fantasy point? How can he actually be a worse pick than he seemed? He seemed pretty he, bad. Apparently he didn't score any points. Sacrilege just described him as a Kenny Galladay level yeah. pick. <laughs> so I mean it was a real body bag moment for ship chasing. But uh but I am also uh criticizing the boomers for not advancing Jacobs. Yeah, I mean, it's enough. just, it's so amazing. Six percentage points lower than he should have advanced was his actual advance rate. But I think that speaks to the fact that Jacobs was better liked by maybe a, a more normie drafter, shall we say. So I think it, when when he signed, I think he is going to sign. I think he will rise quite a bit in ADP. Like, I, I think he could be in the middle of the second round given what he did last year and with a new contract. Like, am I, do you guys disagree with me? No, that's a really interesting, interesting application of that data point that that's the type of person that would overdraft him from this point forward if he signs. But again, like I'm, I'm legit worried he doesn't sign. Like, aren't you worried that he, are you worried about, are you worried about? Not that (laughs) worried. He doesn't have any leverage. Saquon just signed. Saquon provided a path. Like, you know, one of these things, like, they could go, we'll give you a million dollars more in incentive than Saquon got. Yeah. He's not signing that? And I and know. technically he did do something for the guys who came out. Like, it's like you don't sign the franchise tag, you use the, that leverage to get a better version of the franchise tag. That's that's like a, a thing running backs can do now. So I, yeah, I think that's Saquon did provide that path. No one – so they said that there's not uh, – after that date, they can't negotiate a long-term deal, right? And so the loophole was Saquon just negotiated a different one-year deal that was right. better than the franchise tag. And that does provide an out for Jacobs as well to negotiate a much better one-year deal. And like you said, it, it probably will have to come in higher than Saquon's to get him, to get him in because, you know – Saquon's been sort of criticized for not getting enough or, or folding or what have you, but um, he obviously got something added. My my feeling on this stuff is that I want my discount, you know, and then I'll then I won't be worried about it, right? But like I'm getting Jacobs at the three oh nine, three ten, sometimes in the early fourth. Like I'm getting a big discount, I think, relative to where he would be going, and I think that discount is only temporary. Um, he often goes after Brees Hall now, which makes it easy for me because I'm I'm still taking Brees Hall ahead of him. <laughs> so, you know, but now it's like everyone's gone. Andrews is gone. You know, all the other running backs are gone. Uh, Josh Jacobs sitting there. Like, to me, it's it's an easy click right now. Our buddy Robert in the chat says, can't you guys start discussing your pick before you get on the clock stressing me out? Maybe hasn't hung out on a lot of ship chasing streams before. This is basically what we do every time. We're like afraid to talk about it before we're on the clock. Uh, looking at a few of these other, Just a, the final kind of little note there. I, I I agree with everything that Pat said. I for me, if Allen and Debo are still there, it's still not a big enough discount. I think. Interesting. The chat okay. also recognizing my Rubens beard. Nice work. I was gonna say a couple of the other. Te- well, we're on deck. I guess I guess we'll talk about some of the other teams coming up. But like a couple of the other teams starts so far. Sean, we've gone four straight receivers. We're on deck. Deontay Johnson, Drake London, the last couple receivers off the board. At running back, we just had Alexander Madison and Miles Sanders go off. You floated an idea to me prior to this draft for this turn. It looks like we might even get a more fun version of that is just the kind of note I'm going to make back to you. The drafter ahead of us is down to 10 seconds on the clock. Just waiting until that pick comes in before we actually talk through this. So David Montgomery goes. 
Sean, you talked to me, floated an idea of potentially hitting on some running backs in this range. J.K. Dobbins, one of your favorites, 5180p. That's like the third pick of the fifth round has made it all the way back to us at 512. Uh, so now we get like the potential to hit some really interesting running backs in this range. He did land on PUP to start camp. They signed Melvin Gordon. Are you thinking about Dobbins here? Where are you at? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm thinking that Dobbins is is the pick. We had floated making some huge reaches here. We don't necessarily. But let's wait because they to. they might make it all the yeah. way back around to seven eight. So let's not mention right. all of them right. quite yet. Well, I was just gonna uh, say destroy, not destroy the ADPs, but but potentially yeah. hurt them some. We'll just pretend like we don't like no one's gonna be able to figure out who those players are. We got J.K. Dobbins. Um, who do you want to do with the other one? Well, you had mentioned some interesting quarterbacks. We have Justin Fields here. Yeah. We do have Justin Fields here. I'm happy to take Justin Fields at this price. 51 ADP, another player going in the early part of the fifth round. We would have an opportunity to take him at the very end of at the, at the, at the 601. We could also take, I mean, DJ Moore is the other guy that's really fallen. We could have taken them together. We did take Dobbins, so we can't do that, but uh godwin is the next receiver after more a guy i really like as well a lot of good options here because there's also the other uh players that you wanted to reach on that i think are still in play 14 seconds i'll let you make the final call here no we'll throw it back to you you have godwin <laughs> with the same projection as the guys at the four or five i mean the three four <laughs> Unbelievable. The time ran out. <laughs> you guys have to make a decision sooner. <laughs> 10 seconds to Chonga. I go 14 <laughs> seconds. I'll leave it up to you. And he goes, ah, I want to throw it back to you and talk until there's two seconds. That's unbelievable. I had us poised there for what we were going to do. I just wanted to see if Ben would come out and say, take the fifth receiver. Take well, Chris I mean, Godwin. I, I, I did want Godwin to take is tied Godwin. with those guys at the three four turn. <laughs> In your projections, he's tied he with Calvin Ridley. Sean he's... is sick. The chat. I mean, I do this with him all the time, and it drives me nuts. But no, uh, Fields is a good structural this pick there. Tilting, <laughs> the chat is having a rough time with what just happened. This is un- I mean, I couldn't handle it. I can't believe that Sean threw it back to you with 10 seconds left. No, he threw it back with two, and I was just stunned. <laughs> I had what my finger, tell you finger on the button right there. Right there. Well, I'm I don't not think the you clicker. got it. In, I would have to communicate it back to you. Well, yeah, no, two I mean, seconds. We, we had our guy in the in the auto draft spot. We didn't uh, yeah, auto draft yeah. a third player. We didn't auto draft yeah. a third player, is the point. We nailed Justin Fields <laughs> uh, with the auto draft. Oh we get the little star on the board. The, the first auto draft, it's, it's, you know, the asterisk is there. <laughs> Sicko hot potato from Kevin. He wrote ping pong, ping pong auto draft. <laughs> that's, that's kind of what we were doing. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful though. I, I think field structurally. Look, I mean, God, you're right. In my projections, Godwin is right up there with Keenan Allen and Debo Samuel. I think he's way more talented than he's being given credit for, even considering the offensive issues. There's a lot of players that I think are less talented or have shown to not yet proven to be as talented as Godwin has consistently proven to be that are going ahead of him in questionable offenses. I don't understand the discount on Godwin. I do think you would have been a fine pick there, but I think structurally getting fields is a really pretty fun move there because we already have the four receivers. Now we have an anchor running back and we have an early QB. We're going to have to be playing tight end a little later. Go ahead, Pat. Can I press you guys a little bit on Godwin? Well, you guys didn't take him and I – you know, I have no skin in the game on this one if you did, but he's just someone that I haven't been able to share the enthusiasm with. I mean, I like literally just took him about three minutes ago while you guys were drafting uh, in a in a slow draft <coughs> here. So it's not like I'm out on him, but I took him there in the sixth round and I was like, oh, this is this is sweet. But I don't re- like the thing of, you know, he he's kind of the same value as the guys going at the previous turn. He he looks to me like in his statistical profile, like more of a volume play over the last couple of years. I'm actually a little bit nervous about him in terms of, you know, him coming off this ACL tear last year, didn't really post the efficiency numbers we were looking for. Certainly that could rebound in the second year off of that. Um, but 
like what what is the statistical case for him being that kind of like level of slept on talent because he in a number yeah. of the things that I look at he didn't rate very well I'll note one in particular an open score last year he was very poor he had an open score of 42 last season which um was like 90th among all wide receivers and tight ends it was uh pretty poor just among the wide receivers as well i've just yeah so ends, but yeah the the, the statistical case would be the statistical case would be that 2022 isn't indicative of who he was he was coming off a late season acl tear this time last year during draft season we were talking about him missing a lot of the year it was a pretty big surprise that he actually played week one he talked after the Munich game against the Seahawks about that being the first game he trusted his knee. That was week 10. He played nine games prior to that and hadn't really trusted his knee. You also have Tom Brady. I mean, there's a lot of ways to put this. Sean, I think you put it the way that I like the most, which was to say that Sean, that the Brady might have actually held back this offense a little bit last year. Like he was a little bit, not to say washed up, but they. You said the last couple of years, Godwin's been an underneath sort of compiler. That's absolutely the case. Last two years, eight out of 7.6 and 6.0. The four prior years of his career, well, the, the two prior years, 10.3 and 10.1, that was sort of his middle prime. The first two years, 13.2 and 12.8, a, a higher than average dot as a rotational youngster when they still had like Deshaun, Watson, uh, Deshaun Jackson and they had Jameis Winston playing quarterback. He was rotating sort of with Deshaun Jackson. Uh, you know, as the other receiver opposite Evans, he at, at, a, at a young age had a strong yards per target at those a dots. In my projections, I have a, I use Racer, which is the uh, air yard metric that is basically like yards per target, but it's how many air yards they convert into receiving yards. Um, but I also use a depth adjusted version of that. It's very similar to yards per target as you were describing earlier, Pat. That at different a dots, the Racer is going to track differently. So I adjust for the actual average depth of the target and then how many air yards did they convert at that depth. Godwin is well above average at all of his depths, including last year. At a 6.0 ADOT, his yards per target was actually above average, sort of like a mini version of the Amon Ross St. Brown stuff we were talking about. His yards per out run, not, it was a career low last year, but I do think he was, you know, again, coming back from an ACL, playing earlier than he sort of should have been and was still pretty good, a 1.76 yards per route run. Career high 23.6 uh, targets per route run. Again, the low eight is going to influence that. But basically, he's a guy I think that's won at all depths. He's won as a deep rotational deep threat early in his career. He won as like an intermediate, regular 10 ADOT guy. And then the last couple of years, I think more to do with Tom Brady than like his limitations was an underneath guy. And then especially last year after coming off the ACL, is like, okay, we're going to definitely make you an underneath guy. But like still was pretty good in that role. And so, like, a lot of people are talking about, like, Michael Gallup, he's going to be a second year removed, yada, yada. Before Michael Gallup's ACL, he wasn't even good the two years before his ACL. 2019, uh, 20, 2020 and 2021 were his two years prior. He tore his ACL in 2021. 2022, also not good, coming back from the ACL. So it's a real question of, like, what you think he's getting back to two years removed from the ACL. I feel like Godwin doesn't get that benefit of the doubt just because – he played through, like coming off the ACL, played more than he should have and was still like pretty good. And so it's hard to be like, oh yeah, 1.76 yards per out run. We need to discount that as well. But I think we do. Like other than that year, he's never had a yards per out run below 1.87, had multiple seasons over two, multiple more seasons over 1.9. Like he's been a very good, consistently good player at, at different depths and at different in, in different roles. And now the, the big thing for me just is 2022, he was playing off an ACL. The second year off an ACL, he's the guy that I think we should be talking about. Second year off an ACL should be better than he was last year. And I, I, I feel like that's not mentioned with Godwin. I don't know. Maybe that's mentioned a lot, but I feel like it's not. I've made the case that I think the Brady has hurt both of their profiles in ways that tend to not get focused on because you have all of the passing volume with him, right. which is obviously very good. <laughs> And with Mike Evans, especially, you had this touchdown spike, which is very good and very important for fantasy. And so it's easy to miss the deterioration of other parts of their profile with Brady. And the thing with both of those guys is they're going to get a downgrade. They're going to get a bad quarterback. But 
I mean, these guys are used to playing with quarterbacks who have some pretty severe limitations. These aren't guys who are playing with superstars. And so I think that that almost offsets. Now, again, I mean, anytime you're playing with Baker Mayfield, (laughs) you know what you... Yeah, one one of my... That's a big risk, but... One of my rules of thumb with the NFL is that it can (laughs) always get worse. Yeah, it can always get worse if you just. I thought your rule of thumb was was bet against Baker Mayfield because that would also well, be that, a good rule of thumb. <laughs> that is starting to be a, a rule of thumb as well, but it's it's just like you know you're like well, I don't know who Ian Book is, but certainly he can't be any worse than what we've already gotten. Oh God, the COVID yeah, the COVID restrictions have now been repealed. That's how bad. <laughs> yeah, that's how bad that was. So I mean I. I'm a little skeptical that I, I I don't disagree that like Brady was probably hindering them at the end, but that doesn't mean that someone couldn't hinder them worse. I thought you were also alluding to the fact that it was always possible the Bears and Falcons might run fewer plays. <laughs> selected <laughs> well, a quarterback where <laughs> that would hurt me. Uh, that would really <laughs> hurt me. I'm, I'm building a portfolio that's like that can't get worse, but maybe it does. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. People are talking about like Baker killed OBJ. I mean, I think those are different receivers. I think there was a really good study by Steven Ruiz of the Ringer a few years ago during that OBJ breakup that showed that Baker really struggles in the deep intermediate range. I'm a little bit concerned about his fit with Evans for that regard. But he's actually good on like legit deep balls, and then he's—I think Baker—he's better or shows to be at least a little bit better in the shorter area as well. OBJ very specifically did a lot of his work in that deep intermediate range. Evans does too, so I'm a little more concerned about the fit for Evans. Godwin's the guy again can win at all depths. Like unless you literally think Baker Mayfield can't complete a pass, I, I think Godwin will find somewhere to win. And if he can't complete a pass, they will bench him and they'll play like, yeah, it can, it can get worse because then they could try to play Kyle Trask and he could suck too. And they could just have the worst team in the NFL this year. Like that definitely can Kyle happen. Kyle Trask might be like Mike Glennon is in right. terms of it could how be, bad he is. Like, yeah. It could, it could be, be really, really bad. bad. I agree with that. But well, I still think there's a lot of volume really there. Based on what the actual players are seeing, then it would be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, sorry, what did you say? Well, it just it sounds like listening to the players that it's not even a real competition, which would indicate to you that uh, yeah, Trask is that Trask is terrible. Like that Baker's easily going to win the job, but and then obviously you're going to get like ten batted passes batted down at the line of scrimmage every game because Baker can't throw over the line of scrimmage for some reason. But like, I don't know, man. Like this team has nothing behind them. The only other guys you can even project for targets are Russell Gage and Kate Otten, and neither of them is like that inspiring. And there's not a lot of depth beyond that. I love Trey Palmer. Day three pick. I mean, he actually has an open open runway because there's no one else down the depth chart. No running backs. They're not going to be like super run heavy. Like we've been talking about that with Tampa's running game all offseason. Like they don't really have anything. Rashad White obviously could be something, but he wasn't great last year and he's the best bet, <clears throat> but nothing else behind that. Like what else are they going to do but lean their offense into Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, who are very clearly the best two players that they have on the offensive side of the ball. 
So my concern with that would be, well, you guys should pick because we don't need a repeat of that. Yeah. So we get Pat Frymuth goes off the board and David and Joku right before us here. Frymuth is one I was interested in. Sean, our you know secret running backs went as well. Probably not that big of a secret. We are back up. There are a lot of fun receivers still. Jackson Smith and Jigba has gone, but we have Kadarius Tony at the top of the queue. Just kidding. Traylon Burks, uh, Jordan Addison, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson. I feel like Dotson might even be the one that I like the most. Just like really intriguing to me. Any of those guys sounds really fun. Where are you at on on this turn? Well, we're not emphasizing the correlation plays nearly as heavily in our fun draft here where we also 72 teams that's what we have to beat right 72 teams yeah so we're going to build the perfect roster once once you have jk dobbins and justin fields you've got the perfect roster so we're gonna build the perfect roster and not worry too much but i do like having dotson opposite that debo samuel play i like having him with the week 15 with garrett wilson the second guy here i'm gonna think james cook is kind of interesting. Give us a second running back. Pickens, Burks will be the other two plays. Then you and I have talked about how we still like Burks, even with and maybe even more for the upside after the DeAndre Hopkins signing. I mean, Pickens could end up, you know, being like wide receiver 15. You he love James Cook. Year two. You love James Cook. If you want to take Cook, we got 10 seconds here. I'm comfortable with it. Structurally, we I feel really good about the five receivers we've already built. A second running back here would come. Burks would be my pick for the wide receivers. We are going to take Cooks. I want to hear your oh. case. On. See, you know, you gave me a hard time. I was going to take the three seconds trail on Burks right there if you hadn't said, don't let it get under three. Well, I mean, as soon as I told you you could take Cook, you snap picked him. So he's, he's, in the, he's in the queue. Sean, I'll let you take Cook. Done. You said I wasn't allowed to use the last three seconds, so I took. <laughs> you shouldn't have told me to take a running back. It's all your fault. John notoriously has never. I'm so glad I'm not on this This is so stressful. <laughs> Sean, tell the people about James Cook. You've been really in on him. I want you to tell me about him too. Well, I think when you look at James Cook and you get the explosive numbers, you get the before contact, you get the after contact, you get e- interesting evasion numbers. Now we know with the Bills that you're getting put in a situation where maybe there aren't as many defenders there. But I like to see these balanced profiles, especially in an offense or a situation where the team's kind of bet on this guy. And we get all the discussion about Damian Harris and Latavius Murray behind him. And yet, if we got a little bit of a move in this Bills offense, and if there was any truth at all, which Pat and I made a big trade where we gave up Justin Herbert and Jamar Chase, which the Jamar Chase part, I don't know. I may move him up to number one in my Superflex rankings because I just don't really want to have a QB up there. I want to push back against all this anchor QB. We made that move for Josh Allen and A.J. Brown. If you're going to get A.J. Brown back, you're like, okay, we're, we're going to make that move. What, but if what we get a lot less about right now, I'm talking about Josh Allen, Josh Allen's okay. profile. Is he going to run the ball? And if he doesn't, okay. and we actually get a few passes to the running back, this is going to be the time when there we go. With a quick that, aside for Jamar Chase, number one overall in Superflex. I, yeah, Tennessee. it was like, why are we on Jamar Josh Chase? Allen. I asked you about James Cook. What are we talking about Jamar Chase, number one overall in Superflex Dynasty for? This is a Josh Allen point. <laughs> it's a James Cook argument. Anyone who James wants Cook, to participate in the in the RV Triflex leagues, jump in there. FFPC Dynasty is the best. Got FFPC stream going. FFPC Dynasty. Find your way over there. You can play Superflex. You can take Jamar Chase number one overall if you they don't report make about the decision to trade down. <laughs> but... my, my favorite part of the about the digressions is when. You convinced me, and I'm like, yeah, I got to update my dynasty rankings. I definitely got to get Jamar Chase number one. Wait, what were we talking about? We were talking about James Cook. We were talking about James Cook. You can get like five first-round picks if you trade down from the 101 to the 108 and let somebody else take Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. But if we get some of these dump-off passes to the running back, if we get a situation, we're talking about an offense that is either – I mean, an offense – that obviously is in that sort of top three group. But there's also the percentage that in any given year, they could gap the Chiefs. They could gap the Eagles. They could gap the Bengals. And that part of it would go through a dynamic pass-catching running back who was having to deal – I mean, when you're talking about the defenses, they're having to deal with all of these other things. They're having to deal with Stephon Diggs. Maybe then now they have to deal with Dalvin, with a Dante, Dalton Kincaid. Obviously, you still have to deal with Josh Allen. 
Cook's profile coming out of college was not at the level that they drafted him. And there are still going to be plenty of lingering questions, especially when we didn't light the world on fire as a rookie. But I guess I question this price on him when you're thinking about potential year two breakout upside for an explosive player in an explosive offense. When we get into this range and you're starting to think of zero RB candidates and who could be a massive league winner for you, I'm always looking at these guys who maybe are being faded just a tiny bit because they're not huge because they're fast as opposed to huge tackle breakers. That's given us a lot of big names, especially even for one or two years. But you think about a guy like, you know, Austin Eckler. Now Eckler brings some things to the table that I don't think James Cook is ever going to bring, but I mean, you have these profiles that explode through when we're you know, in this range. Like I just think Trump. you have to create some exposure. I think he's more like DeAndre Swift. And a, a non-injured version. A non, Yeah, hopefully a non-injured version. Um, but I think he does like, for good and for good and for bad. You know, he's he, yeah. I think, may have some of the same like tendency towards the explosiveness at a at a frustrating level for NFL coaches, potentially. Um, and that, I think, maybe makes him a little bit vulnerable to a Latavius Murray or Damian Harris, probably Harris, uh, taking a lot of like the early down stuff or short yardage stuff in a similar way to like Jamal Williams. But uh, if you told me a year ago that you could get DeAndre Swift on the bills, I think we'd, we'd be like, Oh my God. So, you know, that profile doesn't seem as fun after Swift has a injury plagued and, uh, you know, a season that the, his coaches literally give up on him and draft a draft a clone. But if he stays healthy and adds, you know, that explosive element like he did last year, I think Cook. I want to be overweight. It's like a risk. It feels a little risky, but I definitely want to be overweight, and I I'm pretty solidly overweight on him so far in my best ball stuff. So this is a profile that you feel very comfortable with in this price range. For sure, yeah. Um, I started to get a little bit. I think I was up at like sixteen percent on him in my best ball portfolio. I'm down to fourteen percent, and that's like more kind of where I wanted to get. I was like, I don't want to get carried away with this because I could see it. I could see Harris consolidating in a singletary way because Harris, I think, is a little underrated as a pass blocker and as a receiver. Even he's been decently efficient as a receiver, and we've already seen them just be like, we we're going to go with the trustworthy guy. So I think there's like. Cook gets kind of sidelined risk, but there's also Cook is a healthy DeAndre Swift on the Bills upside. So I don't see how you're not overweight. I'm not drafting with two million dollars, so maybe there aren't quite as many teams. But if I'm twenty five percent, is that is that too high on James Cook? I don't think so. I mean, he, he's got the upside to pay that off, so um, I, I would be fine with that. I personally, I just the, su- the success rate on him scared me a little bit in conjunction with Latavius Murray and Damian Harris both being very good in that metric and that being kind of like your coach's trust approximation metric, you know, but he's a second year player. So maybe he works on, you know, his reliability and, and doing hitting the right hole, all that type of stuff. And like, if he's hitting the right hole, like, I mean, Damian Harris has no chance. Damian Harris has already been passed by a more talented running back. Like, so I've had a I've had a hard time getting my exposure up on Cook because he goes in a range where I'm always trying to get another receiver. Like I have a ton of Quentin Johnston because he's like feels like the end of something. You know, the end of, not necessarily the end of all of the upside receivers in the wide receiver window because there's a couple guys after that that you can still go after. But the end of like the profiles, I'm really excited about. I can talk myself into Elijah Moore. I've been talking myself into like Cortland Sutton even, but. When Quentin Johnson goes off, that's when it's like I got to talk myself into a guy instead of like I'm excited to click this guy, mm-hmm. and I and I take him a lot, and he goes right around Cook, and I take Burks and Pickens and and those other Dotson. I don't know how you guys are getting so much Cook, is what I'm asking. Well, I kind of panic around round six and go, or sometimes <laughs> around five, and I'm like I'm gonna get locked out of receiver. So then by <laughs> by round eight, I'm normally like I can afford. A running back pick here if i want um and sometimes cook falls i mean you can get cook yeah, yeah i'm not getting a lot eight. of drafts where it's a question of him versus the receiver okay yeah me neither i tend to be i'm like, not maybe keeping my eye back. open 
I'm maybe not keep my eye open to him a little bit too much. Let's talk about a few of these other teams. Our, our team right now. I have Damian Harris above ADP as well, but he's the one where I actually have almost zero exposure for the reasons that Ben was mentioning. Interesting. I'm Wait, overweight but, on him, but only at ten percent. So I'm, I'm what was mildly that? overweight on him. Yeah, I take a lot of Harris. I don't. You, you, you well, like I just other I have guys? different. Yeah, different players in that range that always seem to be uh, a pretty clear cut right. pick. Got it. I take a lot of Harris and I take less Cook as a result of what what I perceive to be less opportunity cost with Harris. So that's interesting. And my other thing with the Kincaid pick, and I've talked about this on a few different pods, but I think there's a couple teams that have gone to where they want to be able to put two tight ends into the formation, force the defense to either stay in these light formations with the two deep shells that they've been doing, in which case they can do a two tight end run formation, or put another linebacker on the field, in which case they can split out one of the tight ends. They have the ability. So I think the Giants did it when they acquired Waller, and they're going to do that with Bellinger a decent amount. I think that was the idea with Kincaid and Knox. I think that was the idea in New England with Gasicki and Henry. And so I, I do think that the Bills taking Kincaid, to some extent, it will lead to some formations where they put two tight ends out there, the defense stays in the light boxes, and they decide to power run. And I think that will be more of a Harris or a Latavius Murray set. Not not that this is like a massive point or anything. You guys are making great points about like if Cook is just better, then he's just going to be better. But I feel like we might get a little bit more power running from Buffalo than we have in a long time. Their pass rate over expected has been way high, and it might be back at like 5% instead of 9% or something. And it might be the bigger backs that are doing that. That's just like a, a reading the tea leaves with the – with the off-season moves thing. That's interesting. I mean, the most fun way to play that for them is to is to do the explosive version and put Cook yeah. back there. Yeah, that's fair. And they and they're probably smart enough to do that. I, I just think and of Kincaid like, oh, is also end. a uh I mean Kincaid, you know, keep we keep hearing it. He's basically a big receiver. So if you want if if, if you're out of the 12, idea is the flexibility. Explosive, yeah. Explosive yeah. explosive twelve. Get ex, get yeah, explosive that's a good out of point. Kincaid and Cook. That's a I mean, point. I don't know. What that's the way they. That's the way they probably will do it, though. You're you're actually probably right. Sure, we are uh, on deck. We just had Samaje Pirine, Dalvin Cook, AJ Dillon go in this round. <clears throat> Michael Thomas, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman were the last receivers off the board. A couple quarterbacks have gone as well. Top of the ADPQ is Kadarius Tony. Hilariously, uh, or I don't know, maybe that's not hilarious. Zach Charbonnet, Chigakonkwa, who is falling. Some more running backs. Rashad Penny looks interesting to me, Sean. What are you feeling right now? Well, I think we want to start our tight end push. Okay. And it seems like we have a RV slash ship chasing approved tight end ready to light the world on fire. Oh, he wants to roll right a clip. Here. Pat, you better get a clip up. He's ready okay. to roll your clip. <laughs> and then, but wait, let's 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 make let's make the second pick before we roll the clip. But the clip is going to have to be in the queue. Sean goes with Greg Dulcich. It's a forty-four over second clip. How much time do you have? Can I play the over clip? Over time? No, we don't have time to play the clip. They'll give over... you three seconds at least to talk it through. <laughs> over Dalton Kincaid there, which is uh, um, a little deviation from ADP, but uh, something we can talk about in a moment. Sean, we are down to forty seconds with our second pick. I like the tight end pick there. We have five receivers. We've got the one quarterback. We now have one tight end. Do you want a double top tight end? Do you want to get a third running back? I think what? both of our I first mean, two running backs have week 13 buys. I'm just going to put that out there. It's not a huge deal, but I, I it kind of makes me want to take Rashad Penny. Okay. Well, that's a possibility. I mean, it's hard. I mean, Rashad Penny may be the best running back in the NFL playing for Philadelphia. He is always hurt. This is the end of kind of the wide receiver tier. Once Dobbs and Skymore are gone, you're going to then draft receivers who are throwaway picks for Sean Penny. You want to take Dobbs? Go for it. Or Skymore? Go for it. Skymore. Take Skymore. I thought Sean wanted to take Penny there. I, I need to work on my Sean. Wh- who did you really want to take there, Sean? You want to take Sky. He want, I, I know, the, I know Sky. Sean. I thought it was Penny. No, he All wanted right. to I'm take Penny. I take, wanted Penny. I'm going to have to take a Sean course. Okay. And that'll do it for part one of our special stealing bananas ship chasing pros versus joe's draft with our special guest patrick corain so much fun to have him on the show i love listening to pat and 
picking his brain for all of these little insights. We're going to have him back on part two. The draft will continue. We will not time out in part two. I can promise that. Again, been so much fun. Appreciate you all listening in with us. I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretsch. You can follow at Yards Per Gretsch. Sign up for Stealing Signals. He has his projections post out. Sign up for Stealing Lines. Love to have you join us over at Rotoviz. The coupon code there is RV Radio 2023 for a 10% discount on your one year subscription. Colin Kelly and I have King Cap on this week in Rotoviz overtime such a fun week drafting is into full swing we'll be back with part two love you guys talk to you soon everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.